So that's, uh, that's Samson, our big intro, our big dramatic intro. Today we're going to finish it up. Um, get us, to get us in the mood, I've got some more uh, man... That is the fourth Sunday that I've forgotten to take the repeat off. This is what happens when you let a pastor do administrative work that deals with the service, okay? Um, let me get us in the mood for, uh, for Samson. As we know, Samson, uh, the, uh, the myth is that Samson <clears throat> was strong because of his hair, right? Um, and as we've seen, that's not truly the case, but uh, there's still a lot of a lot of grunting going along in this story, right? There's still a lot of, ugh, Samson, right? So let me get us in the, in the mood for, uh, for looking at Samson with some quotes, uh, just some man quotes. Uh, here's, a, here's a good one. Masculinity is not something given to you, but something you gain. And you gain it by winning small battles with honor. Norman Mail. I don't know who any of these people are, by the way, so if there's somebody horrible, I apologize. Uh, but that's a, that's a good quote, right? Uh, is it <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, there is one rule above all others uh, for a man. Whatever comes, face it on your feet. Oh, yeah, I like that one, right? Uh, here's one uh, from Teddy Roosevelt. Courage is not having the strength to go on. It is going on when you don't have the courage, right? good stuff right there, right? It makes you, makes you want to be more of a man. Ladies, it probably makes you want to be a man, right? Here's, let me, uh, hopefully not. Uh, let me, um, let me uh, talk about this. Uh, I don't know, last week we looked at how to survive a bear attack, okay? Remember, there was the grizzly bear. If you see a grizzly bear, you just lay down, pretend like you're dead, hope he doesn't kill you. Uh, if it's a black bear, you're actually supposed to fight that sucker, right? <laughs> it was uh, awesome graphic. Today I want to talk about how to uh, survive a dog attack, okay? And uh, as you can see here, uh, the first thing you do is, is stay calm. Uh, apparently it says fear and aggression will enhance a dog's ferocity, right? Watch out there. Um, don't run, kind of move away and keep him in your peripheral vision. If it does attack, grab something, try to put it in his mouth before it does attack. However, if he does manage to get to you, give him your arm. That's what it says. You give him your arm, that way you've got three other limbs to beat that thing down, right? And, it's, and, and you go for, the, go for the, like the eyes and the face and the snout. And then I love the last one. After a dog attack, consult a doctor about diseases carried by dogs, including rabies. And then notify the police and animal control, right? Um, so... So this apparently is how you are supposed to survive. I was running in my neighborhood one time, and uh, uh, there's this huge German shepherd uh, that's, that's in the, a couple streets over, and it was out. And I was just running, and all of a sudden I hear, woo, 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 and this thing comes running at me. And you know, what are German shepherds used for? Just to track people down and maim them, basically, right? And it got, it got about this close to me, and I... And I Saw it at the last minute, and I backed up, and, you know, my instinct was just trying to make myself bigger, which didn't work because it just kept coming. And, and I got backed up against a car, and then all of a sudden, the, the owner, it was this lady, she goes, Cujo! And the thing stopped on a dime. I mean, and I was just like, ha, 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 you know, and I just kind of, I walked the rest of the way home because I didn't want to chafe. 
So um, it was, it was, it was a scary, scary moment. So um, with that, we've been walking through the story. I hope everybody's in the mood now to start looking at Samson, and we've been walking through this. Um, and let me give you just kind of a little recap. Uh, angels had spoken to Samson's parents, his mother specifically, announcing his birth. He was set apart for God's purpose, for God's use. Uh, he was not supposed to, y'all remember, Jerry remembered uh, what, I'm, what I forgot last week. He was a Nazarite, and so uh, Nazarites grew their hair out long. That meant they served God, right? They were supposed to stay away from alcohol, any fermented drink. And then uh, the third one, anybody remember? Can't touch dead things, that's right. And he has disobeyed all of these things, right? A lion jumped out at him one time. He, he took it and just destroyed it. The Bible says that he tore it like a young goat. We assume that's like paper. We don't really know, you know, whatever. Um, but it died. He touched dead things. Now, you can kind of appease for that and take care of that, which he didn't do. Then he went back to go check out his kill a week later, found that bees were, had made honey in a hive inside the carcass of this thing. Yeah, we're getting gross, right, for you ladies? But the guys are like, yeah, that's cool, right? And he reaches in and pulls out some honey. Not only does he eat that, but he gives it to his parents, causing them to sin, okay? So he's just all kinds of messed up, right? I mean, nobody would really do this. And so what we find is that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. An incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Now, last week we looked at... <clears throat> The story that maybe, if you don't know the story uh, very well, um, but you've probably heard of this, the story where Samson gets together with Delilah, and she nags him to death. Well, she nags him until he finally tells her, this is where I get my strength. I get it from my hair. Now, in Scripture, we know and we've seen that's not truly the case. The hair is a representation of, of his strength, and it said over and over again in the last three chapters, his strength came from the Lord. However, when it's time and she finally cuts his hair, that was the last straw for God. He had rebelled passively, actively. He was just a selfish guy, and when, when she cut off his hair, that was when God said, no more strength for you. Today, we're going to pick up uh, in chapter 16, verse uh, 23 we're going to look at verses 23 through 30 and where we pick up is Samson has been captured by the Philistines this is the enemy of the Israelites he's been shackled they have gouged out his eyes and and the 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 way this was done is they would they would not just poke but they would hollow them out it was gruesome right again kind of manly but gross um, they cut his hair off and when they cut his hair off that was big, because when, when you represent God and your hair is, it said, the Bible said he had seven dreadlocks or seven locks, right? And they, who knows how long these things were, because he had never cut his hair. And they cut his hair, and so that was a victory, saying we have defeated Samson. And not only that, but we've defeated God, their God. And he is completely and utterly shamed. 
So he's taken and he's grinding in a prison now. And I don't I mean grinding like what they do is um, if you've ever seen an old grinding uh, mill in in um, the old days, it's these two huge wheels and not they're not standing up where you can roll them, but they're put on their side. So if you took your wheel off your car, put it on your side and put it on top of another wheel, that's what this would be. What they would do is they would put wheat in between the two wheels and these stones are so heavy, hundreds and hundreds of pounds, and you would, you would move the top stone, and you would either move it around or you would move it back and forth until the wheat was just nothing but fine chaff. So this is what Samson is doing now in prison. And every once in a while, they pull him out for entertainment because they want to see their great victory. Now, if this were you and I, this is where you would look at your life and say, I've blown it here. I've, I've pretty much messed my life up pretty good. And this is where Samson realizes, I've blown it. So the question, like I asked earlier, the question that I have for you, not publicly today, uh, no, no congregational questions today, um, but for yourself, what do you do now that you know or when you know you've blown it, what do you do? You've wasted this opportunity. You've said some things you shouldn't. You've done some things you shouldn't, right? When, when guys look at this, we take this stuff, I mean, as failures, right? We look at this and we internalize it and it's, it's personal to us. It's serious to us. Ladies, we, I, I kind of feel like you guys, you, you ladies get an out in a way because y'all have each other, right? Men are much more solitary creatures. Ladies can kind of go and they talk and, oh, and they cry and, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, this is Everything's better after that conversation. I mean, not literally, you know, it takes two or three conversations, right? And, 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 and men, men, we want to be liked but we would rather be respected, right? Well, being liked is nice, but being respected is kind of that, that thing that God has put into us. And, and so men, more often, we find our, our, um, our value not just not really in friendships as much as women do, but in accomplishment, in our conquests, right? And I don't mean that in a negative light, like, you know, women or anything like that, but just what we have done and what we have achieved and, and when. You know, what I'm, I'm, baseball season has started for my boys. You want to go out and see men who, who uh, are trying to achieve and trying to conquest another team, come out to our, our field. It's, it's amazing, right? There's, there's people out there It's like, what are you doing? And eight-year-old's like, I don't even know. I don't know when I'm out here. My mom wants me out here. You know, that kind of thing. And, and so you, you see it everywhere you go. And here's the thing. Generally, generally, a man's greatest fear is failure. And his greatest pain is regret. Generally, a man's greatest fear is failure. And his greatest pain is regret. And... What we're going to look at today is that Samson's story shows us that just because you have failed at something does not mean you are a failure. And I want us to really get this, and I want us to understand this. A failure is an event. 
it is not a person. A failure is an event, not a person. Let me take a poll. How many of us, big or small, have ever failed in something? All right. I think everybody raised their hand. We're all alike. That doesn't determine who you are, right? Chuck, I would have never known you ever failed in anything. Because, because, because you're, you're just the greatest guy in the world. You know, it's, Chuck's a person. It's not an event, right? Jerry, I never, we'll have to talk. I never knew you failed in anything, right? It's an event. It happened in the past. It's not who you are. Now, before you start thinking, oh, this is all kind of like, all oh, shucks, good, you know, way to go, joy, everybody have fun. Let's walk through this. I want you to see this, okay? Verse 23. Now, the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice, sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Now, let me stop there. They are in this temple, and this temple, and we're going to look a little bit more at the temple uh, in a little bit, but this temple is, is huge, right? It's kind of like a Colosseum, but it's not designed and built like a Colosseum, okay? And we'll, we'll look more at that in a minute. But this was the most holy spot in all of the Philistine land. Uh, we, we think that this stadium, this uh, temple rather, held somewhere between three and 5,000 people. Uh, and they worshiped this god, Dagon, who was the god of the harvest, and he had a man head and a fish body, right? Doesn't that just inspire, like, worship? You're just like, whoa, that's cool. You know, that's just kind of weird to me, but whatever. This is who they worship. Um, and so in verse 24, they say, when the people saw him, that's Samson, they praised their god, saying, our god has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. Now, remember, uh, we talked about uh, last week and two weeks ago, what they're talking about here. Samson destroyed their harvest. He rounded up 300 foxes. He tied them by pairs by the tail, lit their tails on fire, and sent them out in the harvest. If anything, Samson was super creative, right? I mean, like, I read that story and I go, that's so cool, you know? You know, I mean, Peter would, don't, don't let Peter hear this podcast. All right, you know, it's just like, I mean, that's amazing. I would never do that, right? But <laughs> y'all are never going to let us watch Teddy again, right? <laughs> their dog, <laughs> yeah, going over there. So, so that's what he did with the harvest, right? He laid waste to their land. And then at one point, <clears throat> the Israelites captured Samson, and they said, listen, we got to give you to the Philistines, because the Philistines were over the Israelites. And they said, listen, bad things are going to happen to us. you got to go. He's like, all right, whatever, tie me up with ropes. And then this army of the Philistines came out to him. He snaps the ropes, and he just kind of looks around for something to just start putting a whooping on people, finds a donkey jawbone, and kills a thousand men, right? So that's what they're talking about where they multiplied their slain, which, I mean, that's just cool, right? Killing a thousand guys, a donkey jawbone, that's cool. All right, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Now, I can't imagine there's really like, you know, you know, none of that, right? That kind of performance. I'd imagine it's just him standing there with his eyes gouged out, okay? So that's the kind of entertainment that they're looking for. Hey, we, we defeated this guy. 
Here's what this reveals, though. This reveals that Samson has failed his mission 100%. 100%. He has failed in his responsibilities to God. He is now nothing more than entertainment to God's enemies when he should have been the deliverer from them. And so he is standing in the middle of this temple, shamed, hair cut off. And, and, and here's the thing. I think a lot of us can identify with this. Maybe, maybe, maybe we look back and we say, I wasn't 100% a failure, but it was probably like 90%. It was a good fail, right? It was, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty good like face plant. And there's two responses to failure. For guys, anyway, there seems to be two responses. I'm sure there's more. The natural response is remorse. And this is normally where men stop, right? We normally have two responses even to remorse. Like, we'll go into a deeper remorse. We'll, we'll feel bad. I'm just a horrible person. I can't believe this. And we, and we dwell and we wallow and we just, oh, this is, oh, what was I thinking? Oh, and you beat yourself again. I, I, I should have gotten caught. It was a good thing for me to get caught, you know, and all you just... You just beat yourself up. The other thing is blame. Blame, right? Samson could have easily blamed. This was Delilah's fault. Never mind that, that this has happened to me three times before. All right? Never, never mind that I keep going back to these hot Philistine women, right? Never mind that I'm letting my lust drop. But her fault, her fault. It's her, she was so seductive with her, you know, and all this other stuff. And, and she was just nagging me all the time. This is what Samson could be doing. The supernatural response and the better response is repentance. Repentance. I own this. This is my fault. I blew it. I didn't do what God was leading me to do. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn away from my low ways and I'm going to turn to God's higher ways. I'm going to do what's right in his eyes. And, and listen, we all know there's some things that you just can't undo, right? There's some things you just can't go back and change. Most things you can't go back and change. But you can repent. You can't unsin. You can only repent. You can't unsleep with that person. You can only repent. You can't undo what you said or what you've done. You can't, you can't go looking backwards over and over and over again. That's remorse. Repentance is looking forward. <laughs> Repentance is looking forward. And so here's what I want to challenge us. Don't let past failures, don't let past failures limit your future opportunities. Don't let past failures limit your future opportunities. Samson realizes that he wasn't created to be, you know, a circus clown, okay? Samson realizes that he was created to honor and glorify God. We were created to do the same we were created to honor and glorify God Samson rebels with his life he did it passively right he did it actively 
He did it selfishly. But he repented. And we're about to see how he repents. And he's going to ask for strength and God is going to give it to him. Don't internalize the failure. I mean, yeah, you've got to feel the pain sometimes. You've got to face the consequences almost all of the time. But don't sit there and dwell on it. Repent. Turn. Know that you are a child of God and he has a plan for your life. But if you're going to sit there and wallow, that plan's not going to come about, right? If you're just going to be remorseful constantly, right? You're going to limit him to be able to do anything in your life. Verse 25, the, the last part of verse 25. It says, when they, stood him, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. They were all there. They were all celebrating, right? All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. When Samson... Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Now, it appears here that Samson's like, I want to take them out because they gouged out my eyes. But there's a huge difference in his tone here. And I know we're reading, in, but, but his tone here versus the anger that he had in the past versus I didn't get my way in the past. Now we see him calling to God, asking him. And it's not just for the eyes. Because remember, God's purpose for Samson was to use him to deliver them, the Israelites, from the, from the Philistines. Now, Samson remembers, I'm here to deliver my people. Hair is beginning to grow back, and his strength begins to return. He's like, I've blown it a thousand times to God, but I need one more chance, one more opportunity. And so he's finally broken. And for once in his life, it isn't about him, it's all about and it's almost like he has seen something, a spiritual line in his life, and he is finally ready to just step across it. Remember last week or two weeks ago, we talked about how Samson went down to go find a, a, a prostitute, and he had to walk like 53,000 steps to go find this girl. That's 53,000 steps that he chose to go his way. And he finally takes the one step to walk God's way. And he's ready to give his life and honor God. And so here, and I think this is just this amazing moment, we see a massive public humiliation in the midst of this private, humble moment with God. He's not feeling sorry for himself. He's not dwelling on the fact that he can't change the past. He's looking at how he can change the future. And this is what I want us to understand, especially for guys. When a man is down, he is not out. This applies to these two, okay? 
When a man is down, when a woman is down, they are not out. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. Now, you're probably, all right, hang on. Read number verse 29. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. So you look at that and you go, wait a minute, a whole temple falls down, right? I mean, this thing, there were 3,000 people on the roof alone. How's, it, how's this possible, All right? There have been two Philistine temples that have been uncovered by archaeologists. One is at Tel Kassil. Go ahead and show that, that picture there, Tiffany. Um, and, and this one. And you see right there in the middle, you see, you see the, how big this building is. But you see those two holes that that guy's next to? Those are the holes where they would put two pillars that would hold up the roof. Um, so that was in Tel Kassil. This is nor in, uh, just north of Tel Aviv. And then there's another one in Tel Mikneh. You can probably see it better. It's, it's ancient Ekron. These two pillars here, they held up the entire structure, basically. Archaeolo- I mean, uh, 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 architects would look at it today and go, well, that doesn't seem too, you know, that's kind of stupid, right? Um, and what they would do is both temples, they shared this unique design. design. The roof was held up by these two uh, uh, supporting pillars, and they were made of wood. The pillars were made of wood, and you know they'd be different diameters or size, and they rested on these stone supports. Sometimes they would hollow out a, a hole in the stone so that it would, it would fall into the stone. Sometimes they would just put them on the stone is what, what we believe. But they were always seemed to be, at least with these two, they seemed to be about six feet apart. Now, um, a strong man can easily dislodge these things, right? And you think about six feet. Well, I'm, I'm about 5'11", and I've got a wingspan of six feet, right? You look at uh, Anthony Davis, right, the Pelicans player. He's 6'10". He's got a wingspan of, what, 7'6", something like that. He can easily just push these things apart, right? Samson is a big dude, and he can easily just take these things. They're made of cedar. Cedar's a hardwood, but he would, I mean, I mean, look at all he did. And if God has come on him and given him this power, he takes this stuff and he just, and he throws it down. Now, and, and, and notice in verse 30, it, ta- it says, it, with all of his might, right? So he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple of the rulers. And the, this phrasing, with all his might, and down came the temple, it's a, it's a, it denotes this like violent crashing and strength. And I mean, you can just see Samson going, let me, let me feel those two pillars. And just, and just taking everything down, right? Pretty exciting. And the archaeological findings match the biblical accounts, right? Because you can, we've looked at stuff and we're like, I don't know, a thousand men with a jawbone, you know, he took down a whole temple, he destroyed more of God's enemies in this moment, this moment of surrender and commitment to God than he ever did with a jawbone 
with foxes, right? There was one time where he made a bad, stupid bet, and he goes out and kills people to, to collect the money, right? He did more in this moment of surrender and commitment to God than he did his entire life of selfishness. And Hebrews talks about this. Put that, put that verse up there. Hebrews 11 talks about this in uh, verse 32 and 34. Do I have that? Do I have that in there? Okay, there it is. It says, what more shall I say? Uh, this is the writer of Hebrews is writing about all of these. Uh, they call it the, the cloud of witnesses, the, the great witnesses to God. And he's walking through a bunch of the judges. Samson was one of the judges. He says, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon or Barak or Samson or Jephthah. What, what? Jephthah? David. Samuel, that's my middle name. Uh, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Who shut the mouths of lions. That's, that's Samson right there. Quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength. And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Samson, all his life, was just, I mean, the most selfish, arrogant, lustful guy. And he makes one good thing and he calls out to God at the end of his life. And he gets to be in Hebrews, right? He gets to be in the Bible. God used him all his life, even though he was just sinning. Even though he was just over and over again doing what he wanted. That's the thing about God. He can use you whether you're sinning or not. Here's the thing. He can use you so much more and so much better when you're following him. It is never, ever too late to follow him. Yeah, you've blown it. I've blown it. But you're not out. And if you're a Christ follower, you have the same Holy Spirit living in you that any other believer in Christ has, right? Because sometimes we look at people and we go, man, especially when we first started this church, there was another church that started like a year after us, and it had just exploded for a time. And then I just started getting, God, why are you doing that with them but not us? And then, you know, maybe it's me. It's just horrible. And then I realized it's the same Holy Spirit. God's just doing different stuff with us. God's using them just like he's using us. And it's probably the same way with you. You look at people and you say, oh, they're so wonderful. They're so good. And they're just such wonderful believers. Why can't I be like that? Listen, you can. You are. You have the same spirit living inside of you that Samson had on him. You, get this, you have the same spirit living inside of you that Jesus had inside of him. That's crazy, isn't it? Jesus, the only difference in us and Jesus is Jesus followed completely. And we tend to get tripped up quite a bit. So moving forward, let me ask this. And this may sound a little corny, but I like it. What pillars are you pushing down in your life? What pillars do you need to get in between and just shove them out of the way? And then how are you going to do it? I can't answer that question for you. That's, that's your question. 
Maybe it's like Samson, it's pride or anger or lust or greed or, or maybe you've got comparison things going on, regrets, maybe you fear, whatever it is. How are you pushing those things down? Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Guys, be a man of God. Be a man of God. Don't wallow in pity or remorse or blame. Don't do any of that stuff. Lead yourself out with the help of the Spirit. Or maybe we should change that around. Follow the Spirit out and let Him lead you. Now, I know that's tough for guys because guys, we wanna, uh, we're going to lead ourselves. You've know, I'm, I'm, uh. you got to be led if you want to lead. And here's what I want to close with because this is something I want us to make sure that we really understand because what Samson did was easy. What Samson did was easy. It was right, but it was easy. He gave his life one time. What you are going to do is going to be a lot harder. You're going to go out of, out of these doors and you're going to face people at work. You're going to face people, you know, your friends, and, and maybe they're not Christ followers. What you're going to do is going to be a lot harder because you have to die to yourself daily. Paul said, I die to myself daily. It's easy to give your life one time, but real men do it every hour, every day. And here's what I, th I see. I look around the room, and I see guys who like are, are, are men of God, right? I love this because, you know, yeah, some of y'all have really cool jobs. Your jobs don't define you. One day we're all going to be old and we're going to face God one day and he's going to say, did you follow me? Are you my man, right? What will God do with you when you completely follow him? The world has yet to see what God can do through one man wholly surrendered unto him you be that man ladies it applies to you too you be that woman samson is one of the most frustrating characters in all the bible he is not a hero right this is how it gets has gotten twisted right samson had this hair and he was so strong it's like no he was a jerk right he was a putz it's not really a happy ending Okay, I mean, this is as good as it gets for him, right? The real hero of the story is God. God was faithful to Samson. He is faithful to us. He will always be faithful to us. No one has done so much bad and then decided to turn to God and God rejected them. There is not one person who has been rejected by God. It's never happened. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, God will remain faithful because he can't disown himself. Think about that. That's crazy. He will never turn away from you. So Samson came to God. Let me, let me, let me close the series. Shackled, broken, blind. And when he turned to God, God was there. If you come to God, shackled, broken, blind, however it is, just broken, there for you too. And he set this up 2,000 years ago for you to come to know him. He set this up by Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. 
He set this up by defeating our death, our sin, right? You don't have to die in your sins. With his strength, I am dying to my regrets and my past and my pain. And, and I don't have to sit with the pillow on my head at night going, oh, I can't believe I did that. That was so stupid. It's gone to God because of Jesus. And I'm made whole to be used for his purposes. I am crucified with Christ, living for him, for his purpose, constantly dying to myself and moving forward in his spirit. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for what you are doing in our hearts. We ask that you take this challenge and hit us hard, especially the guys in this room. I pray that you will challenge us in such a way that we man up in the areas where we just haven't been following you. And, Father, that we lead in your spirit. For the ladies in this room, Father, I pray that you will challenge them as well. May they look at Samson and say, I don't want to be like that. I want to follow you. I want to seek you with all of my heart. And, Father, we ask that you would challenge us to do just that. Follow you and not be selfish. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.